The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. They're tangling in the back of the pack. Here they come off four. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? Where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Taylor Burris and Justin Prince. Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris, alongside my co-host, Justin Prince. Our producer is Richard Colbreff. And Justin, we have a very special guest joining us this week and it is the winner of the season opener of the e-nascar coca-cola i-racing series driver of the number 79 for clint boyer racing femi olatsenbosen joins us here today and justin he won a thrilling race at the world center of racing a three-wide finish to determine how things played out for the season opener in the e-nascar coca-cola i-racing series and the first points pain race with the next-gen car is so critical and it's absolutely huge to say the very least. You have to consider when it comes to Femi and his rise up into eNASCAR competition to be able to start off the season in this way. And let's bring in Femi, in fact, because Femi, you've had a few days to digest. Your first career victory in the series comes in the first points paying race in the era for next gen car action. How are you feeling is the biggest question, first of all. Uh, well, first off, I got to say hello to. You guys and hello to everybody watching thanks for bringing me on to the to the podcast and yeah you know it's been a hectic few days to be quite honest um i i'm still like feeling the effects of the win i think they're gonna last for you know quite some time uh but you know we just got a quick turnaround to vegas so you know i've been preparing for that a little bit but still want to you know take the time to acknowledge the win and thank everybody who has congratulated me on the win it's it's still crazy to me Talk us through, first of all, that drive to get yourself in position for the victory because it had a different sense to that type of night for the season opener, not just because of the new car, but because of the new flavor for some of the different groupings and pairings, and as well, just the style of the racing, it seemed, much different compared to some of the past years, it seemed. Yeah, you know, coming in, we thought that was going to be one of the more hectic races at a play track that you know we've had on iRacing and in the series in general and um it probably would have been had it not been for a couple of cars that were working together just sweeping you know the first couple rows of of the grid so for me for me personally my approach was let's just ride with them ride behind them let them control the field like they're going to control the field you know you can't really do too much about that uh the one thing we could have done was try to force move up the middle but i think we were close enough to the front where it didn't really matter if we did that or not so we kind of just took the patience approach and waited for the pit stops and luckily one lap right after we had pitted um they wrecked they wrecked directly in front of us we were able to miss it just barely almost made the wrong move missing that but we missed it and then the race from then on was just you know try to do what I can to help my teammates out and try to keep myself up in the first two rows to be able to have a shot at the win. 
of course, there was a big reaction on social media as well as from some across the community because one of the main things I noticed was the reporter for Racer.com who made the specific mention. How there had been a lot of talk about you having a lot of talent to be able to potentially challenge for a title down the line. How has that reaction been to you? As you mentioned, you're still trying to sort things about with the victory, mind you. Yeah, you know, like I said, um, now that, you know, we have a win, that does a lot and the bits make the playoffs, but I can't slack now, you know. Now it's like the, the real grind kind of starts now, you know. Got to make sure we can build on the W go out next week at Vegas, try to maximize points there and just do that uh, for every race, you know, leading up to the playoffs. And then, you know, for it, you never know what can happen. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of good quality competition throughout the field. So, you know, it's not going to be easy by any means, but, you know, it's a challenge and you got to to be the best. You got to beat the best. So that's the approach I'm going to take. Well, you certainly beat some of the best in the best this past week at Daytona, or this past week at Daytona. But let's take a little step back in time. You you joined iRacing back in 2014 around March. What made you want to get involved with iRacing and talk a little bit about your early days racing on the sim? Um, so I got an Xbox back in 2009, and the the very first game that I got with it was NASCAR 9 which was the main reason I ended up getting the Xbox. So um, that was my first taste of like really online racing any NASCAR game. And I I did quite well, to be honest. I mean, I was like a, a 10-year-old, you know, racing with people who were a couple years older, I'd say. And, you know, ended up getting into a couple leagues with a lot of stiff competition. As a matter of fact, I met Bobby Zelensky just a year after I got onto... um into NASCAR 9 and raced in a, a lot of leagues with him. And a couple of the people that we raced with ended up going iRacing in around 2013, 2012. Adam Gilliland is one that comes to name. He was one of the early movers. And eventually, you know, they kind of convinced a couple of us to, to move over. So I made the switch. I was one of the first people to make the switch, like out of the people that they were convincing to move over. And... um. That that was my real first taste of like, you know, driving a, a car and a sim, and it was great. And you know, when I first came, like I I was heavily invested in watching the GWC races. I thought they were so cool at the time, and being so, kind of young, I kind of looked at it as like, wow, that'd be that's really cool. I never obviously thought I'd make it into the series, let alone win. But that's kind of where the start came from. And then every year since twenty fourteen, you know, just be chipping away at getting into pro and then eventually into the coke series well you certainly have shown a lot of talent over the past few years picking up over 200 wins overall across all, all four different platforms of iRacing from the dirt road all the way to the highest echelons of oval stock car racing here on the iRacing service but as you progressed and worked your way through it since 2014 what has been your thoughts of how much iRacing has progressed as a sim as well as its branding of how it's been able to grow, especially since the pan start of the pandemic back in 2020. I think when you look at videos of iRacing in its early days, so before I came on, so before 2014, and then you go, so around 2010, and you fast forward five years, the sim changed so much over that period of time. I think 2015 is when we first got a real taste of dynamic track. It was either 15 or 16, I don't quite remember. 
and that was a real game changer for the sim and oval racing especially and then that's not even to get into the graphic side of it like now it looks like a completely different sim um whether you're racing or you're watching a broadcast and it's really cool to see all the progression that's happened over the years and i mean now uh in recent times you know you see a huge influx of members and you see a constant push of updates all across the sim and it's it's really good to see you know i i think right now iRacing is in a period of high growth and i hope that growth continues because you know the more everything around iRacing grows the more people that are going to come over and the more iRacing is going to be able to branch out to other people and you know grow as an esport and i think that is that would be great you know esports as a whole are on the rise and fires can join that train i it's the the sky's the limit for everyone involved with the sim for a lot of people i was trying to refer to this a little bit there is for some they may not know too much about you as a person so outside the sim what do you do because funnily enough i didn't know this until after your win you're very close to the iRacing offices in Massachusetts from your hometown. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I'm going to be going there next week. We got oh, that's good to hear. For that. Yep. Um, but away from the sim, I, I just graduated from college last May. So uh, just in the job market now, uh, trying to get into the finance sector, start a career there and go from there. Um, but other than that, I'm heavily into sports. And especially being from Boston, literally right like 10 minutes away from Boston and, you know, all the New England sports and stuff. Um, it's always nice being heavily invested in sports because I get, I get bragging rights over every other, country, or every other city. I just let them know that we're number one and you're not, you know. So uh, there's that. Um, I like to read a lot. Um, I haven't read as much since I've been out of school, but from time to time I do like to read. A lot of books. Uh, the Game of Thrones series, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, comes into mind. Um, so I'd say sci science fiction and fiction in general is my taste of books. And um, that's really it. I, I mean, my, honestly, my life has kind of been pretty boring since the pandemic. But it's starting to jazz up a little bit. You know, we're starting to be able to go out more and do stuff like that. So... Uh, right now, I'm just in the career building phase of my life, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, always when it comes to your social media presence before making this charge, the past couple of years in particular, you seem to have an under the radar approach, and that seems to have carried over with that university sign in turn. In terms of that, though, and in terms of that, now that you mentioned you graduated college, that was a little while ago, you also had the victory now go your way. What in terms of the preparation, is that focus now like for Las Vegas? Because it's a completely different car, of course, and a completely different driving feel compared to what many people who may have joined iRace in the past couple of years have been used to since that package changed to the Gen 6 car back in 2019. Um, I'm very happy with the, the testing we've done for Vegas so far in the next gen. I'm enjoying driving the car again. Uh, last year, I'm going to be completely honest, I didn't enjoy driving the Gen 6, like, whatsoever. Like, my my racing and I guess my practice as well was kind of down from what it had been leading up to that point. But, you know, now I feel like we got a new car. 
everyone has to learn it and i'm just more rejuvenated to get to doing 30 lap runs for spreadsheets and stuff like that working on the setup with everyone on the team so the preparation for vegas it, it didn't just start after daytona you know we've been going at it now for a couple of weeks and um it's even more important now considering you know we have a win and you know we got to keep ourselves high high in position in points and try to win more races if possible how would you describe how you feel you can do that because again top 20 is the requirement for if you get a victory you make it to the postseason what's that drive going to be like and what is that effort going to be like from what drivers will see from you on the track as well as the fans? Um, well, a big thing from last year is I had a huge change in mentality. You know, last season I came in as a rookie and I didn't my my approach to the races was to kind of take it easy at the start, you know, try to just let the race come to me. And that was that approach really didn't work out at all. Uh, combined with the fact that I would qualify bad. And like I said, I wasn't enjoying driving the car, especially because of how much dirty air there was. Um, I felt like I would be good in the race. My race pace was honestly more than pretty good. And I would just pass people and I'd get stuck. And then since I'm stuck, now you know my my race isn't in my own hands. It's kind of just, you know, you just log in laps. You can't pass anybody else because tires are dead and you're just stuck in the dirty air and then all of a sudden i'd get caught up in somebody else's wreck and that was the story for i want to say like 85 percent of the races i mean it was, it was ridiculous and in the off season i kind of had a mentality shift especially through pro where i was like okay i need to, my race pace is good and my qualifying is horrific so i need to qualify better and you know just do what i do in the race so that was my mentality throughout pro. And then especially coming to this year, I was like, I need to take, take, take. Nobody in the series likes to give, especially because we have a shorter race distance this year. Um, you know, being aggressive early on with smart moves is going to be much more important. So that was my mentality coming into the season. And now that we've won Daytona, uh, I think it's going to be even more important to start races off with good track position. So got to have a heavy emphasis on Q. I believe the race pace will be there. Um, and if it's not, well, then, you know, we got to work during the race to figure out where we're losing speed and how we can get it back really quick. So just a huge mentality shift for me personally, and I think that's going to translate into much better results this season. Well, we look forward to seeing that. Uh, one more final question before we let you go and get ready for the next race, of course, is you're working this season with Clint Boyer Racing here on the NASCAR side. Last season, you were with Joe Gibbs. Uh, talk to us a little bit about working with these two different teams that are some of the main staples of the NASCAR series, as well as some of the main staples in the world of NASCAR. Yeah, I'm definitely very lucky to be able to have ended up with you know two big name organizations uh, on the service on iRacing Sim and in the uh, in NASCAR in general. Uh, I've worked with some very great people, lovely people, uh, throughout Gibbs last year. You know, in the offseason, they wished me very well. They congratulated me a lot uh, after Daytona, which I truly appreciated because, you know, like I said, I did enjoy working with them. And, you know, now I'm with a different team. And, you know, I got to – it's my job to do the best I can for this team. And, you know, I've enjoyed meeting everybody that's involved with the with the team in the series so far. and 
you know, like what better way to start off, you know, a season with a new team than to go out and win the first race. So, you know, hopefully it's a good omen and a good thing for, or a good, bodes well for the future is what I'm trying to say. And I just can't wait for the rest of the season. Well, Femi, also, where can people go to follow you on social media and keep up with you for the rest of the season? Uh, my Twitter is where you'll see me most active. It's uh, Femi Alat underscore. Um, it, honestly, if you probably just type in Femi Alat, you probably find me uh, on Twitter. And then Instagram, it's at Femio with three I's and one O. So F-E-M-I-I-I-O. And uh, that's where you can catch me. Well, we wish you the best of luck in the rest of the season as well as into the playoffs since you are so far guaranteed that spot with your win at Daytona. That is Femi Olatsenbusen, driver for Clint Boyer Racing and winner of the season opener at Daytona. Coming up, more here on the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Taylor Burris here along with Justin Prince and our producer Richard Colbreff as we just finished up our interview with winner at Daytona for the season opener of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, Femi Olatsenbusen, who I got to say, Justin, was a phenomenal drive and win for him and a good way to kick off the new season with a new team. I think so as well, because it was the question of, how would this break down? How would this race go? And I think that was a big question for many people. And keep in mind, they only had a couple weeks in turn to prepare for the Super Speedway, as well as for some of the ovals for the upcoming races afterwards. But the main things emphasized was it looked like the most realistic Super Speedway package we've seen in the series. Like Dale Jr. had said on social media, he felt the same. The top line was rolling well. Drivers had to fight and work together to be able to move on forward. If you got too close to the middle line, you got sidetracked to both sides and made it very difficult to cut ahead, yes. But in turn as well, it was also about how important you were in terms of being able to handle the car. Because a few times, a few drivers got loose coming off the corners because of how on edge some of the drivers were. And as well, if you didn't pick the right time for a block or the right time to move to a line... Several times, drivers got shuffled from the front of the line to, like, the 20s. It was that type of a night, Taylor, and I, it was an entertaining one, to say the very least, from start to finish. It certainly was very entertaining to watch. I mean, we, of course, saw a couple of growing pains, I would have to say, from the car, as well as some of the drivers. Of course, Briar LaPrade, or the rookie for Junior Motorsports, definitely showed that he has a little bit of work to do after being involved with a heavy multi-car incident that took out a lot of strong favorites in that event. But I'm pretty sure we will see Briar back up towards the front of the field later on this season because of how well his speed is overall. But a quick look rundown of your top 10. Femi Olat, who was your race winner, followed by Garrett Maines coming home in second. And then Steven Wilson, those three crossed the start finish line three wide. And it was absolutely amazing uh, to see those three going across the line all the way to the finish. Brought you back a little bit back in time to the 1959 Daytona 500, as we saw so many years ago watching the pictures of that one. When I look at the picture of last night or this past week's Coca-Cola race. Yeah, it was definitely a different feel compared to past runnings because a few years ago you had the setup that was intriguing, to say the least. The year, last year, you had drivers 
side by side, three wide, just about the entire pack in some cases, if not single file. It was the type of year where you had to be able to make alliances. You had to be able to work together. You had to be able to plan together. And if you didn't hit all your executed marks right, you were going backwards, as we mentioned. A couple things to note, I will say, amongst those drivers, though, was you have Malik Ray in particular, Taylor. He had a very realistic shot of winning the race before one of the final big ones of the night. He certainly did, and unfortunate for him to be caught up in that big one, but it just shows that the racing at Daytona is a catch-22. One minute you could be at the front of the field, the next you could be behind the wall, and unfortunately for him, he would end up behind the wall after that horrific incident towards the end of the race. Well, to quickly correct you, he did take the checkered in 26th, but it was 22 seconds back for the final shootout because of how bad the damage was. Although, several did not make it to the end. Upwards of about seven drivers, double-digit laps down. It's not how you want to start off your career for some, like Will Pratt, and even Donovan Strauss, who ended up getting demolished, blowing the motor, fixing his motor, got out a couple laps, then parked with the minimum speed. So it was that type of a night. It certainly was. Out of the drivers, though, who did compete, Justin, who were some of the surprise drivers who did well, and who were some of the ones maybe that you were surprised didn't do so well after that race? My surprise initially was Femi, but after seeing some of the social media reaction, there was apparently a lot to build up for him for last year even that was talked about behind the scenes for some, and that came forward with him taking the checkered flag and being one of the most professional winners in terms of the interview, some have said, in a while. I will say, though, I was shocked about a couple different drivers, such as how things fared out for, say, and I think like a Vicente Salas where he struggled in qualifying for the get-go, Taylor. He tried so many times, I've seen throughout the night, to force a third line, would gain a spot, go to the bottom, gain a spot back, lose a spot immediately. He was stuck in a perpetual brick wall of 20th before he ended off his race in 28th one lap down. Then you have others who surprised me in terms of some of the struggles, I think, like someone like a Ray Alfalo who dealt with a bit of damage throughout the night. He didn't necessarily have the greatest of evenings. For some, it was the question of how are they going to rebound? That's going to be the tough thing because there's a word, right, and a phrase that is very common. The next race at insert track is the start of the real season. Las Vegas will be the test to see which teams know how to drive in the majority of the circuit's configurations. It certainly is, and you can catch the action on March 1st at 8.30 with Countdown to Green beginning as the green flag will drop at 9 p.m. on all of iRacing and eNASCAR streaming services as we head to Sin City in a couple of weeks' time. Well, from one point of NASCAR, we have another point also to talk about in the world of NASCAR as eNASCAR College iRacing Series kicks off also starting next February or on February 24th at the World Center of Racing at Daytona. And this is a great opportunity for adding college esports teams to get involved with the world of iRacing as a lot of couple of college esports teams will be getting together with 32 drivers eligible to compete in this event starting off at Daytona, Charlotte, and then wrapping up in April at the Watkins Glen International Speedway. First of all, the different types of tracks will absolutely be very pivotal, I think, because it will test the abilities of the drivers on three vastly different types of racing. Daytona with the super speedway and its unpredictability. Charlotte in its testing of the drivers 
on their ability to save tires, be able to qualify well in the race when it counts, etc. And then Watkins Glen, if you're able to drive left and right. But I think this is a huge statement to the movement of esports at the college level. Because it's something that has been gaining a lot of momentum for years. So many top programs, Taylor, have college programs that run in the motorsport, in esports in general. For example, my alma mater, when it comes to my journalism diploma, St. Croix College, started up an esports program and is in the process of building an esports arena. They started a virtual motorsports team a couple of years ago as well. And some of the members for that group, I didn't know until recently with this announcement, as well, mind you, they're actually alumnus from that college too. So some of the big names who work with Coke drivers are also affiliated here. Same can be said at the University of Windsor for my side as well, for my current collegiate location. But I will say this. I think a lot of momentum built is from the Collegiate iRacing League and how some of those people came together from the unofficial side, from colleges across the country and across Canada as well. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of those names run in this series. And I know based on their social media reactions from that side, they're extremely pumped to see this support from eNASCAR. It certainly is, and we can watch all the action kicking off on February 24th, starting at 8 p.m., and we'll see how that goes across all of iRacing and eNASCAR's streaming platforms. Well, we're going to leave the world of NASCAR and step into the world of Porsche. As we all know a little bit, the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup by iRacing has already kicked off their season opener at the Hockenheim Ring in Germany. And it was none other than a Haitian Guaven who took home his first career win with the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. And it was an exciting one. Of course, this year, Justin, is probably one that's going to be a very interesting one. We don't have Josh Rogers back to compete this season, so as well as Mitchell DeYoung. So this is opening the door for a lot of different drivers to really showcase their talent to come out and show that they have what it takes to be the next superstar of the Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. First thing with Guven, it was his first podium, not just his first victory in the series. That's how big it was for him, a part of the Coanda banner. Second thing second, with the brand new car, when it comes to this type of level, I think for some it was definitely the signs of some growing pains, especially with how qualifying fared out, because it was proven both the sprint race and the feature, you need to qualify up front to be able to run well. For some drivers, they seem to struggle, Taylor, when it came to getting track position, especially with the impacts of the draft, I will say. But it's absolutely huge for Guvan because that feature, when it came to the start of the season at the Hungaro Ring, was one of the most insane ones when it came to incident limits I may have ever seen, world championship-wise, because I lost count on how many hit the limit and had to serve drive-throughs before the checkered flag, around five. It certainly was a very chaotic race, but it also just shows the intensity that these drivers have to showcase their talents as they we see watching this amazing race here as they continue to battle it out the season. And we're going to see a lot of great drivers come up through the ranks who will be able to showcase their talents. I mean, Diego Pinto, who is a well-known name in the business, he comes out second in the point standings after finishing in fourth during his the main final race of the season. Graham Carroll, of course, making his return in this series, trying to see if he can have what it takes to go for a championship. Even some 
drivers from the Delara World Championship as well as even the eNASCAR World Championship coming aboard. Bobby Zelensky didn't have the best of races this week, or the season opener, finishing in 27th. But you have Johan Hart, Maximilian Benecke. Also, we have to talk about Peter Berryman. The toughest one that surprised me the most, though, was Kevin Ellis Jr. finishing 18th in this race. Yeah, he was stuck, it seemed, at the back of the field much of the day and just shows the difficulty of trying to make maneuvers and passes. It wasn't easy to make the moves, and a lot of drivers were not afraid to make the bumping and banning when it comes to some of the contact around the racetrack. How things fare out in Barcelona, it's going to be the interesting one next, Taylor. It certainly is, and we're going to see the action kickoff on February 19th. That's a Saturday from the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya, and we will see if we can see a new driver take home the win. Last year, Sebastian Job took home the win in a dominant fashion. Action kicks off at 12.30 with the All-Star competition before the green flags drops for the pros at 2 p.m. on twitch.tv forward slash Porsche and all of iRacing streaming services. Well, with that, Justin, it's hard to believe another episode of the iRacers Download has come to a close. But with that, we will say goodnight. For Justin Prince, as well as for all of our guests here tonight, our producer Richard Colbreff, I am Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. <laughs>